Welcome to the Influencer Collective Show. I'm your host, Jen Sherman, and we have a very special guest on today, a former bulldog, let's go Bullis, uh, Matt Hillman. He's the founding partner at Cut and Sew. Welcome, Matt. How are you doing today? Awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. Doing well. Um, yeah, I was, I was at Bullis from third to eighth grade. I don't know. Did Love we? It. I don't know if we overlapped at all during our time there, but. I'm not sure. I graduated in 2010, so you, we might have overlapped for a year. Yeah, you were two years out of me. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, welcome, welcome. Um, really happy to connect. You know, Bullis is producing some great entrepreneurs, as we know. Um, I would love to hear, you know, before we kind of get into some of your background, Matt, I'd like to start off asking our guests, you know, what is your definition of influencer? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the definition is, has changed a lot over the course of the years. And I think there's, you know, many different types. In my personal opinion, you know, the influencer as someone who, you know, doesn't, doesn't really add any value, but just kind of likes to post cool pictures. I think that, that, that type of influencer is phasing out. And I think that, you know, now an influencer is someone that brings real value, whether that's knowledge or, you know, experience and, and really just provides value for their followers um, is, you know, can be a thought leader on certain subjects um, and really just kind of is informative and, 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 you know, creates amazing content and, and just has a great understanding of, of their, you know, the different platforms and how to use them. Yeah, I would completely agree with you. I think we went from like that macro influencer, Kim Kardashian world, which quite frankly, she's done great for herself, you know, in regards to her business, but just of that taking a picture in front of a cute building or, you know, maybe like a backdrop and having cool sunglasses on doesn't really define you as an influencer in my personal opinion. Totally. And I think audiences are like getting smarter and they want to see themselves in influencers. And so there's nothing relatable about that level of person, really. Totally. I, I would agree with you. So what, who is your favorite influencer and why? It's a great question. Um, my favorite influencer, influencer uh, I wouldn't say I have a favorite, but I would say there's a bunch that I, that I really respect. Um, we've been doing a lot of work in the gaming and esports space. Um, and there is an influencer, I wouldn't even call him that anymore, but is a former esports athlete, you know, streamer with a large following. His name's Nade Shot. Um, based in Los Angeles and he essentially, you know, leveraged his following and built a, a team and an esports team around it, raised, you know, tens of millions of dollars, you know, became an amazing, amazing organization. And so I, I have a lot of respect for him because he took his following and he, he built something greater than him, greater than himself um, and built a real business around it. So anytime, you know, a talent can do that, I have a lot of respect for it. That's awesome. And how old is he? I want to say mid twenties, maybe like 26, 27. Um, yeah, I mean, that's Scooter Braun invested in his team. Drake invested in his team. Justin Bieber invested in his like, like he's he's built a really really big business. Wow. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing: e gaming or esports. Excuse me. I personally, I know it's been on the rise, but I personally haven't really been paying attention much. Um, but then got into the quarantine and uh, bought myself a Nintendo Switch Lite because Nintendo Switches were not you can't find them right. Like you know you can't find them. And I got into Animal Crossing. And, you know, I had no idea, like, how intense gaming was. Like, no idea. I mean, I got lost on Reddit, lost on, like, Instagram, like, to figure out my island. I even went, like, I used to, I visited random people's islands, too. Like, I mean, it's this whole, it's yeah. this whole world. And, and I think it's, it's huge. I mean, it, it is just huge and continuing to boom. Totally. So his, his team actually did a they do like a lot of merchandise. That's like one of their revenue streams is like they sell a lot of merch and they did a, a collab with Animal Crossing. 
Yeah, I, I abandoned my island uh, magical. I, I got back from the mountains. I was like, I just can't. I I would be playing all day. Like I I, I would be on a I would be on a conference call and I would turn off my camera and be listening, but also be on Animal Crossing. And I think that's when it got it got out of control. Yeah, that's when you know for sure. It's a great quarantine activity, though. It was. It was great for the queue. So Matt, you know. You know, as a fellow entrepreneur, um, relatively, you know, I hate to talk about age, but I'm relatively young, millennial, Gen Zers, you know, um, we don't, I at least don't come across a, a lot of entrepreneurs who are my age, especially in the DC area. But I would love you to tell the audience just a little bit about your background and career experience and how you um, got to where you are. Yeah, for sure. Um... So I went to uh, Carnegie Mellon, which was a, you know, a small school in, in Pittsburgh, played, played basketball there, it was Division III. Um, went in, you know, wasn't, had really no idea what I wanted to do from a career standpoint. Um, was blessed in that it was a very entrepreneurial school and very heavy computer science majors. And so a lot of my friends were, were computer, computer engineers. And so it was there that I, I ended up building my first company. It was just a mobile app. Um, didn't end up seeing a crazy amount of success, but it was... Uh, it was sort of where I kind of got bit by the entrepreneurial bug, if you will. Um, and so ended up raising a little bit of money for that, went through a startup accelerator and again, really just kind of fell in love with building um, from there shifted a little bit more towards, towards sports and entertainment. So, you know, spent some time at, at Sony music, um, spent some time at, at CAA in the mailroom, which was certainly an interesting experience. Um, and then again, just decided that I really kind of wanted like a small team feel. And so, um, went to go work for a boutique marketing agency based in Los Angeles, where I really learned just, you know, how to manage accounts and just really kind of how to, how to build business and, and stuff like that. Um, all the while was just doing a little bit of consulting on the side, you know, had some talent that I was managing on the side um, and then ended up meeting my two partners and, and started, uh, started, you know, our business that we're running today. That was January of 2018. So it's been um, a little over two and a half years. Nice. Congratulations. Well, you're about to get to the third, third year mark. That's when you know you're in like a good spot. It's like the one, three, five. Uh, so you're almost there. So, uh, well, congratulations. I mean, that's quite the journey. I think the consulting side and also I also started out at a boutique agency. It was kind of nice about that is that you were able to be a lot more hands-on and learn um, kind of thrown into bigger projects rather than just kind of like the typical like account coordinator projects that you get at a bigger agency. So at least it sounds like for you and for me that kind of shaped, um, you know, giving us the experience that we could, that we needed to start our own thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I if there's like one piece of advice, I would say working for a small company, you know, maybe the name isn't as sexy or doesn't have as much, you know, appeal as like a really well-known, you know, fortune 500, but you get to wear a lot of hats and you get to work on a lot of different things. And I think it really sets you up to, for like later in your career. And it allows you to, to like level up quicker, I think, because of all the different things that you had to learn and do. Totally. I totally agree. So, you know, Matt, as we sit on the Influencer Collective Show podcast, uh, you know, I know you've dabbled in that realm as well. So I would love to hear from your perspective, what perspective, what is the power of podcasting? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's podcasting is amazing. Um, I started one last summer, um, was blessed in that it, you know, it grew really, really quickly. Um, so I can speak for, speak at it from a couple of different angles. So I started a podcast with, you know, ch my childhood best friend who's, who now plays in the NBA. Um, and for him, I think it was amazing because, you know, fans really had a desire to get a deeper look into his life and learn more about who he was off the court. 
And so we were blessed that obviously he had a big following. And so a lot of people kind of had a desire to listen. And then for me as sort of like a business person, I think it was just a really good you know, brand builder. And it was a really good way for me to speak about things that I'm passionate about and, and businesses that I'm involved in and clients. And um, I think it's just a really strong lead generation tool. I think it's, it's the more, uh, the more of yourself that you can put out there. I think the more comfortable people feel with you and, and what you do. And, and I think it leads to just more opportunities. I would agree with you um, a thousand percent. I, I personally love it because I can just talk to interesting people all day. Like I have three interviews today. I'm like, this is great. Like what else can I do? You know? And also you just, people want to connect with humans. Like everyone just wants that human connection. And particularly now living in the virtual world that we live in, um, you know, being able to have that familiar face or voice before you even have a potential new business conversation with them or just to have a conversation in general, it's a great um, way to facilitate um, that comfort. Totally. hundred percent. So speaking on that same note, you know, where, where do you see the uh, future of podcasting going? I think that we're going to start to see a lot more shows, you know, expand their IP outside of just podcasting, you know, great example is, you know, how I built this on NPR. They now have a how I built this festival where they have, you know, it's like a conference where speakers come. And um, so, I, you know, I think we've seen, you know, podcasts turn into shows on Netflix and stuff like that, which is interesting because it's usually the other way around. And so, yeah, I think, you know, podcasters, I think are just going to be able to continue to open up new streams to monetize, whether it's selling merchandise, turning it into a book, you know, turning it into a show. And so I'm excited for, for podcasts to really be like the top of the funnel and then everything else to kind of expand below it. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole great thing about a podcast is I see it as, you know, I like the idea of looking at it as a product, right. And also on the same um, realm that it, it, it's not just audio. Now we can, you know, we're going to be producing this um, and releasing it as a video and audio. So diversifying that content, um, seeing how they could be turned into shows on Netflix or perhaps, you know, there'll be the Netflix for businesses, but a little different. I, my, my dad told me that's not the correct way to describe what I'm actually trying to build, but it's okay. Um, that's another, in my mind, it makes sense. Yeah. That's all that matters. Right. Um, but it's true. I mean, it's very true. And to kind of see this as a foundation for a brand that people understand can relate to, I think is, is very important. Um, so what, you know, you were, I know you've worked with big and small companies, um, but kind of having that grit and scrappiness, you know, what piece of advice do you typically give to a startup? I would say, um, don't assume what your users, customers, audience wants, you know, let them tell you and, and really look at the data. I think a lot of people, especially early on, you know, in the startup world, they've, they've put so much work into, you know, ideating what they want to build that they just, it's, they feel like they've almost gone too far to turn back and, and they're afraid of, you know, what the data will tell them. And so I would say, yeah, don't, don't think that just because you built something, people are going to want it, you know, test vigorously, um, prove, pro prove concept, run endless focus groups, run endless AB tests, and really make sure that you're solving a problem that actually needs solving um, and not just something that's really cool. Cause I think that's a lot of, a lot of founders, you know, put the, their bias of like how close they are to their product onto the, their customers I think it's just really important to, uh, to, to be as unbiased as you can. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree with that as well. Cause quite frankly, it's like not saying the customer is always right, but they are. Yep. And 
so, you know, listening to the actual customer, because I think that's where you really have a successful business is when you listen to the customer and you don't, and it's always so funny with startups or companies, they always think that they are, that is, they're the only one with this idea. It's like, yep. sorry, honey, that's typically not the truth. We have a, something called the Google machine. And if you just look at Google, there's probably other companies just like yours out there. Totally. Um, so what, you know, kind of thinking from that uh, more innovative brain, you know, we are fortunate of, we grew up in such a digital world. I mean, quite frankly, Gen Z is even more growing up in that digital world beyond us. But what is the importance of identifying trends before they happen? I mean, I can speak to it sort of from, from where I sit. I mean, as a as an agency founder, you know, as as someone who's is you know client facing and, and someone who's been trusted by clients to sort of usher them, you know, through different eras of, of innovation and making sure that they stay up to date, I think it allows me to really uh, have a premium offering. I think people can trust that. Um, our group is, is, is ahead of the curve and knows what's coming next and can translate that into digestible strategies for our clients to, to put together that will allow them to continue to grow their business. And so for me, you know, uh, keeping up to date with trends is essential for what we do. It's if, if we weren't doing that, we, we, we wouldn't be able to, to be who we are and what we do. And so um, I think when you, when you just know what's coming, um, you're able to, you're able to put strategies together that really allow you to, to, to sort of get a head start and, and really, reap the benefits of what's to come. And so, um, yeah, I think, it, I think it's paramount for sure. Oh, I would have to agree with that. And I mean, we just kind of live and breathe it anyways, right? Just in our daily practices. I personally just got on, I think I told you this on initial conversation, TikTok. Um, not, I don't, I, I'm just more of an observer, you know, yeah. like I'm just one of these scrolls. But again, another great thing in the queue that I was just like, let me just do this. And then now yeah. we're seeing, you know, of course it's been around for a while for, from creators, but we're seeing a lot more businesses more and more get on the platform um, to run campaigns. So totally. So let's talk influencer marketing. Um, what does it mean to you and how have you seen it grow? I think it's changed a lot. I think it used to kind of be that, you know, a lot of these one audiences weren't as smart. So people could, you know, pay influencers for a post and an influencer can make one post and then your product could be, be off to the races and that's it. And I don't think that's, that's really the case anymore. I think essentially what it is now is really just validation and it's not, a, it's, it's not a strategy in itself, but I think it's a really great supplement. For example, we're working with a client, you know, it's their pre-launch brand. They're, they're not in the market yet and they're entering a new space and for them, you know, working with influencers is the best way to go because those influencers have a lot of respect in the space and will usher this brand in and make them make their audience feel as if they're a part of it. And so I think it's really important that way. But um, I think what you're paying for is like the association and you're paying for the ability to use these these influencers likeness in your your own marketing materials and your paid media strategy. I think a lot of people feel that you know influencer strategy is a is an end all be all and it's a replacement for your own, but really. You know, it's not because once you once you engage with influencers and you have more people coming to your page, that's when it's more important than ever that your own strategy is dialed. And so I think it's a really great top of the funnel thing. Um, and I think I don't think it's going anywhere, but I think, you know, we've we've seen a, we've seen it really trend more towards towards micro in the past couple of years. I think we spoke about it earlier, but there's nothing relatable about the person, you know, with 150 million million followers selling whatever it is. But there, you know, there is something relatable about someone with, you know, sub 10,000 followers that you feel like, you know, or you feel like you could relate to 
you know, selling a product because it feels more authentic. And so it's changed a lot, but I think, you know, I think it's in a, it's in a really kind of fun spot right now. Yeah. I'm actually excited. Cause I was always on the macro train, not macro. I was like, eh, I'm just going to skip over that. Like I'm going to skip over. If I had a client where they're like, you know, can you get me to a hundred thousand? Like, yeah, sure. I'll just target India. Not a problem. That's what pretty much you're going to get anyways. And then here's yeah. your number, but let's check out your engagement rate on that one. So, right. um, you know, I, I, I've been seeing that and I, I definitely agree with, agree with that as well. So can you tell us a little bit more about the gaming space and how you, you know, identified and found that niche and how you're like, what innovations are you seeing from marketing? What's your approach? Yeah. To I mean, company? It's a fascinating space um, with everything that's been happening with COVID. I mean, I would say it's probably the industry that has benefited the most, right? I mean, everyone's inside, they're playing, they're consuming gaming content. And so it's really the perfect time to, to be involved in it. Um, I think we're seeing, you know, traditional influencers and, and athletes and celebrities, you know, cross over into gaming and start building presences on Twitch because they're realizing how important it is. And it's just a really amazing way to interact with, with your audience. Um, and we've been in it for a while and, and, and don't anticipate slowing down anytime soon. It's just, it's just so valuable. Um, and I think the relationship that, that we're seeing, you know, between influencers and the gaming space and their fans is, is fascinating because the whole industry is built on live streaming. Um, and live by nature is like, you know, raw, unfiltered, unedited. And so I think that you have a better relationship with your fans than you do in any other, in any other world because they're not able to, there's no post-production. They're not able to edit it. What you, what you see is what you get. And it's a real person to person interaction. And so fans, you know, go on Twitch and watch their favorite streamer, you know, play games for hours on end and talk to their chat and they'll send him, they'll send money and they pay monthly subscriptions to, 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 to watch their content. So it's a different level of fandom. Um, there was a streamer yesterday who streamed on Twitch and he's one of the biggest ones. He was off the platform for a little while, but just kind of came back and it was sort of his return. And he was streaming. He peaked at 516,000 people uh, at one time watching him which is like, you know, I mean, it's like, that's like 25 NBA stadiums full of worth of people. It's crazy. I mean, it's, 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 it's higher viewership than most sporting events. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And it's not going anywhere. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't see it going anywhere. I mean, I remember you used to have my GameCube, you know, and, and like, you know, and then you would have like the, the headphones and stuff, but quite frankly, I, it's, it's not going anywhere. And I, that's why I was like, okay, I feel a little more hip now because I got into the gaming space and TikTok in the queue. Yeah. So like, I feel more like I can talk the talk. Um, it's, I'm just studying, right? I mean, as I play Animal Crossing, I'm just studying. So totally. <laughs> I consider it homework. So Matt, can you just tell us about your favorite campaign that you have worked on thus far? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot. Um, it's, it's, it's tough to pick one. If I had to pick, I would say uh, there's an influencer campaign that we did not too long ago. Um, there was a, a game uh, called Final Fantasy, <clears throat> which is like pretty, you know, kind of hardcore. It's not, it's not like a really mainstream game. Like you, it's not like an Animal Crossing or like a Fortnite where, you know, everyone is playing it. It's, you're a little more hard, hardcore if you're playing it. Um, and so they wanted to reach a larger demographic that more kind of like crossed over into mainstream culture and so we put together an influencer campaign with NBA players um, which was which was really cool and unexpected and so we brought in um, four you know top NBA players we brought in Josh Hart, um, De'Aaron Fox, Donovan Mitchell and Kyle Kuzma all really well-known guys and had them all kind of post about it and the posts performed really really well and the client 
was super happy. Um, and so that was cool because we got to combine these two worlds of kind of sports and gaming for like a, you know, a fairly unexpected partnership. That's pretty dope. Yeah, that's pretty dope. That's really cool. That's really cool. And also, like, I think it's a human factor as well. Like, it's like, I want to relate to, like you said, you know, with you did that podcast. It's like, I just want to know the stars. Like, that's why I like TikTok, because I can like see, I mean, Jason Derulo does a lot, but like, it's like you're seeing inside their house. They're just kind of like messing around, like having fun, just like we are. And I just think it's really relatable and digestible, um, particularly now. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's cool. I mean, all these different platforms have <laughs> different types of content right like instagram is a little bit more filtered and you know maybe it's not as relatable you know tiktok is very relatable and people are just kind of goofy and silly so yeah it's, it's cool that's what i love about the platform also yeah i've been finding myself more on like or at least just scrolling this way on instagram because i'm like where are you now are you still at home are you like it's like it's we're like the let's be judgy on instagram see people are traveling in groups and then tiktok it's like let's have fun it's just i I don't see myself really on instagram so much in the quarantine because it's like it's people are doing as fun things as they used to be doing so it's more fun to just go to tiktok to goof around 100 percent. yeah i feel the same way I, i haven't been on instagram as much either yeah, so it's interesting. So, you know, just to kind of wrap up today, Matt, is there anything that you would like to share with our audience? Any pieces of advice, just fun facts? Yeah, I would say um, piece of advice. Um, it sounds cliche, but like, uh, I think starting anything is really the hardest part. I think there's always going to be a reason for why you shouldn't or you can't or you know, it's not rational, whether it's you know, financial or time or risk, whatever it is. But I think there's, you know, just starting is really half the battle. Um, and then I would say, if you're looking to, to build a business, just be really, I think time management is the most important thing. And I would say, be really, really um, diligent to, uh, you know, if you have free time after your day job, you know, whether it's from 7pm to midnight, like take full advantage of those hours, because you can do a lot in your free time and you can build something to the point where maybe you will be able to quit your job. I think, you know, there's a lot of people in entrepreneurship who are like, quit your job, start a business, but you only hear about the success stories. You don't hear about the failures. I don't think that's a smart choice. And so I think a better approach is to really uh, maximize your free time while you do have a job and while you have the security and put that money away so that you actually can do it one day. And uh, that's what I did. And that's what a lot of people that I respect do. And so, um, yeah, don't, don't feel like you have to go all in and just quit. You know, that's definitely a, a phase approach. I completely agree with you. That's exactly what I did. You know, it, it's called the moonlight, you know, the moonlighting yeah. and, um, have that foundation. So then, you know, there's no reason to put yourself in a, such a risky situation if you don't have to, and you have a nice salary and then yeah. the extra money is just nice extra money. I think that's a great piece of advice, Matt. Well, Thank you so much for joining us today. Where can people find you? Where people can find Cut and Sew? Um, so you can go to our website. It's cutandsew.la. Um, our gaming agency's website is called zoned.gg. Um, and then I am, uh, I'm on all social platforms. So it's, my handle is I love Maddie Ice. Just kind of a funny, it was like a high school nickname that I never changed. Um, but you can find me there on, uh, on all platforms. Nice. Well, I love Matty Ice. That's great. You can find him on all platforms. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us today. We have Matt Hillman, the founding partner at Cut and Sew. I'm your host, Jen Sherman of the Influencer Collective Show. You can subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, all of those works. Follow us at the Influencer DC on Instagram and Twitter, and we will catch you next time. Thanks so much and stay safe.
everyone. Did you enjoy the jingle? That song is called Luxury, and it's by me, Kat Janice. Find me on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, wherever you get your tunes to hear my newest single, Luxury. It's a luxury.